desperately to gain this sparkling and gaudy sanctuary. And then, exhaustion descended upon him like a numbing cloak, and his ears sang and his brain whirled. His limbs seemed weighted, and his heart pumped violently, and he thought he must drown, and groaned, for at that moment life seemed sweet and vivid, since life was represented by the island and the seas were death. Well, now for death, he thought, and as he sank, his foot touched bottom. He realized afterwards that he must have sobbed aloud as he staggered ashore. For a moment, as he stood, ankle-deep in warm powdery sand, with the sun pouring fiercely upon his drenched body, the surf curdling at his feet, and the cool greenness of a thickly matted forest cresting the slope above his head. He still thought that he must be drowning, and that this land was mirage. Then the silence was shattered by a shrill scream, and a glowing parrot, rainbow bright, flew suddenly from amidst the blood-red shower of a tall hibiscus bush, to wheel gorgeous and discordant above his head, beating wings of ruby and emerald and sapphire dripping fire-coloured blossom, loud, jangling, piercing cries. The island was real. Patterson fainted, flopping like a heap of old clothes upon the smooth, hard silver of the sand. When he came to himself, the sun was lower, and the air fragrant with a scented coolness that seemed the very perfume of dusk itself. For a moment he lay motionless, his mind blank, and then, as complete consciousness returned to him, and he rolled over on his face, he became aware of a black, human shadow, splashed across the sands, within a few inches of where he lay. The island, then, must obviously be inhabited. He raised his eyes defiantly. He could not have explained what he had expected to see. Some grinning, paint-rattled savage, perhaps, or else the prim, concerned face of a missionary in white ducks, or perhaps a dark-skinned native girl in a wreath of flowers. He saw actually none of these, his gaze encountering a shorter, stranger form, that of an elderly dwarfish man, in what he at first supposed to be some sort of fancy dress, comical clothes. He gazed at the short, jaunty jacket, the nankeen trousers, the hard, round hat, and most singularly of all, a thin and ratty pigtail protruding from beneath the brim of this same hat. The little man returned his scrutiny calmly, with an air of complete nonchalance. He revealed a turnip face, blotched thick with freckles, a loose mouth that twitched mechanically from time to time and little piggish, filmy blue eyes. Good God, said Patterson at length. Who are you, and where did you appear from? The little man asked in a rusty voice, proceeding from deep in his throat. Have you tobacco? If I had, it'd be no use to you. Do you realize I swam here? You swam? From where? There was a silence for a moment a silence broken only by the breaking of the surf and by the harsh cry of birds, as Patterson, more exhausted than he had first supposed, 
tried idiotically to remember to what strange port the yacht Seagull had been bound. He said at length, I, we were on our way to Madeira, the southern Atlantic. The yacht, a petrol boat, caught fire, and so I swam ashore. Petrol, the man replied, puzzled. I know nothing of that. As for the southern Atlantic, I myself was marooned on these shores deliberately, many and many a year ago, when bound for Kingston, Jamaica. Rather out of your course, weren't you? The little man was silent, staring reflectively out to sea. Patterson, naturally observant, was immediately struck by the look in those small, filmy blue eyes. A singular, fixed immobility of regard, at once empty and menacing.